0: Good morning, saints. Good morning, to sinners. Uh, we are continuing on our journey with Luke. Um, Luke's gospel in the lectionary is coming to an end for us. Um, the church year, the new church year, year A, begins next Sunday or ends uh, next week with Christ the King Sunday, and then it starts the first Sunday of Advent. And so Luke is winding up for us. We have walked with Jesus um, through to 2022 through Luke's gospel. And in 2023, we're going to pick up in Matthew's gospel. So if you want to get some, you know, get some books, read ahead and get familiar with Matthew, that would be great. For the last few months, we have been on a slow road trip with Jesus. He has been up in the northern regions of the Galilee. He has been crisscrossing the Sea of Galilee. And lately we have found him moving south along the Jordan River through Samaria to the town of Jericho. And he's been healing, he's been preaching, he's been just causing a fuss everywhere he went. So Now he has made his way to Jerusalem, Passover. Imagine Passover. Courts are full. The temple is packed. The city is brimming with people. Pushing, shoving, coming, going. Lambs are baying. You can hear the doves cooing and flapping their wings. And Jesus has attracted this huge crowd of people along in his wake to hear what he's going to say, or even better, I want to see what Jesus, what he might do. The religious leaders are there to see if they can stump him and get him into uh, saying something incriminating or do something that will get himself in trouble or indicate a false teaching so they can arrest him. Jesus' disciples, meanwhile, are still pretty much clueless, God bless them, with all that was going on. They knew something was afoot. Mostly, how am I going to figure in Jesus' new government? The energy and excitement in the city is electric. Carnival. Jesus is near where they give the offering. And it would be as though you had to come up and personally put your offering in the offering plate and, and, and I'd be, a mm, 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 little more, a little more. Mm. But people could see what you give. And Jesus was watching how this rich man gave out of his abundance and largesse and then how this widow gave everything she had, indicating it's God's. And that leads us to our story today. Luke 21, verses 5 through 19. Listen to the text. And listen how this upper text impacts you. Hear the word of the Lord. Now when some were speaking about the temple, how it was adorned with beautiful stones and gifts dedicated to God, Jesus said, as far as all these things that you see, the days will come when not one stone will be left upon the other. All will be thrown down. And they asked him, but but teacher, when will all this take place? What will be the sign that this is about to take place? And Jesus said, beware that you are not led astray, for many will come in my name and say, I am he. The time is near. No, don't go after them. When you hear of wars and insurrections, don't be terrified. For these things must take place, but the end will not follow immediately. And then Jesus said to them, Nation will rise up against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes and famines in various places, plagues, and there will be dreadful portents and great signs from heaven. But... Jesus goes on. But before this occurs, they will arrest you. They will persecute you. They will hand you over to the synagogue and to the prisons. And you will be brought before kings and governors because of my name. This will give you an opportunity to testify So make up your minds not to prepare your defense in advance for I will give you the words and the wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to withstand or contradict But you will be betrayed even by your parents and your brothers by your relatives and your friends And they will even put some of you to death. You will be hated by all because of my name. But not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your souls. My friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. God. Well, wow, that's kind of a tough one to end the liturgical year on, isn't it? So here you are. Plant yourself in the city of Jerusalem, similar to what we did last week. You're in Jerusalem, you're in the midst of Passover, all the throngs, all the people, the smells. And there you are, and you are in Jerusalem. Jerusalem. And there is the temple. My goodness, it's huge. It's beautiful. You see where the stones have been laid with gold on the outside. And so when you see the temple from far away, it blinds you. It looks like a starburst. And, and, and you look at these stones. They're sizes of minivans stacked on, stacked on top of each other. Smooth, beautifully white gleaming you, you're kind of sitting back you're with Jesus and the crowd and you're just going man Jesus I tell you this is some place and you can see Jesus shake his head Ugh. really? See, you and I are in the carnival. We feel the energy. Jesus begins to speak, and as soon as he begins to speak, the gravity of his words are so jarring that the rest of the world fades away, and all they can do is hear him. You know those experiences where you're kind of in tune to everything, but all of a sudden something happens, and you immediately zone everything else, and you're concentrated. I remember when I got married, that was one of those times you start down the aisle and everything just whoop, like Star Trek and you're just in that moment you see the end of the aisle and you just you get lost and the disciples Jesus begins to speak they, they, they get lost they are hung, hanging on his words You were thinking, I was thinking, it was going to be a tour of architecture and city aesthetics. But Jesus uses this moment to talk about the hard realities of life for those in the first century church. As well as his proclamation for the impending destruction of Jerusalem, which came to pass, by the way, some 40, 41 years after he made this proclamation. Beloved, our text this morning has Jesus making three predictions for people who comprise the church yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He then speaks of an opportunity for the church when those predictions finally come true and become real. And then finally in our text, Jesus offers a hopeful promise. First, Jesus makes three dire predictions. One, people are going to come after after Jesus. After He is gone. And they will threaten the new life of this fledgling community called the church. They are going to say, I'm the real one to follow. Don't worry about Jesus. Look at me. And Jesus is saying, no, you're going to be tricked by imposters. Keep your eye on me. Laser focus on me. Don't fall for those impersonators. Others will come along looking for power and fame. They'll they'll pretend to be leaders that they really aren't. Indeed, some crazy guy with a Messiah complex, all the way back, this at the time when the temple was destroyed in 7071 this self proclaimed messiah got 6000 jewish people to go into the temple while it was being destroyed and they died don't follow after imposters jesus then goes on to make two other predictions One, there's going to be war and unrest among the major national players of the world at the time. And there will be signs seen in cataclysmic natural disasters that point to the coming of God. And then to put the proverbial cherry on the cake, Jesus reminds his listeners, and by the way, people are going to turn on you. They're going to hate you. They're going to run you down, looking for you, because of my name, the name that you share, Christian. It's right here, I want to hit the pause button. I want to hit the pause button, and I want us to stop a moment, think about the text. When we hear these portents of things to come, you and me. When we hear these, these prophecies of predictions of things to come, you and I immediately think it's about somebody else, don't we? We hear these words and we think Jesus is talking about you know, all those people in Armageddon times when Jesus is coming again to better look busy times, You know, at the end of time. Jesus is talking about those people. But you know, Why would Luke have Jesus make these predictions to this group of people about a future that you and I will never experience in our lifetimes, more than likely? Why is it that we, in the 21st century, read this text and think it's about other Christians in the future? What if, perhaps, this was not only written and spoken to Christians in the future, but just maybe, maybe it was written for the church in the current moment. Just maybe. Jesus is telling you and me the hard realities of what it means to live as a follower of Jesus Christ in a world today. And beloved What we have here in Scripture is Jesus telling the church. Church, when the world goes sideways, God's got an expectation that you will speak a word of hope. I mean, in our time, just think about it. Why does this have to be about the future? We've got religious leaders we've seen over the last 30, 40 years who've gotten populations all frothed up about God's coming again. We peruse our headlines from all over the world. We hear about the brutality of war in Ethiopia as well as in Ukraine. How can people do this to each other, we wonder? You and I live in Florida. So don't go telling us about natural disasters, thank you very much. We've already been through a pandemic, a plague. No, Jesus isn't necessarily talking about the future. I relate to what he's saying because we are living it now. So what is Luke trying to do? I think Luke is telling you and me that when these signs take place, And and on this side of history, we can look back over time and see that these signs have been taking place over and over and over again for the last 2100 years. But I think Luke says we are expected as followers of Jesus to be witnesses for Jesus in the world in the midst of the crazy suffering and hardship. The expectation is that you and I will testify. Professor Nancy Wakefield of Wabash College, she says, quote, testimony is usually reserved for the stories that declare how God brought the faithful out of slavery into freedom. How God made a way when there was no way. How God acted to save a distressed people. These peculiar words of Jesus in this passage, she says, tells us that when we, you, me, when we experience destruction, betrayal, loss, we, church, are to see these times as opportunities to testify. Now each of us experience suffering in our lives each of us witness have witnessed betrayal and brutality of other human beings each of us hurts has been hurt and Jesus expects you and me to take those hurts and share with others in the midst of the swirliness how we have been transformed by God in the midst of that hardship, that pain, the turmoil. Friends, we live in a world of natural, natu- uh, national and personal disasters, just like the first century. And Jesus wants you and me with our specific hurt, our specific pain and share that with others so they can have hope. In spite of the suffering. In spite of the world turning sideways. You see, my friends, it's only through Jesus that death has lost its power and influence. It's it's only through Jesus the suffering of the world has been redeemed. And it's only through Jesus that sense can be made of nonsense. Nonsense. And that hope can bud from the tiniest seed. Friends, what what have you been through? What is your specific witness Jesus is or can use to bring healing and hope to someone around you? To those who are upset with you? To those who are persecuting you? Where, beloved, has God worked Easter miracles in your life's garbage and trauma? Where? What word of hope can you and I share and give others, stemming from the hardness in our life, the pain, the suffering in our life? We are to testify. We're just to share what God has done for us not what God can do for them this is how God helped me through my crisis my pain yeah Jesus gives us three predictions about how we will experience trouble in our life he reminds us of God's expectation that we are to witness and share what has been done in our lives in the midst of pain and suffering We're to offer a word of hope, but I want to end my thoughts by lifting up the promise that's made in our scripture today, a promise that's given to the church. It's given to each of us. Yes, there will be false prophets that will arise and try to gain our attention and pull us off the path. Yes, there will be rogue rulers and politicians who foster war and hatred and division. Yes, there are and will continue to be natural disasters from hurricanes in November to Lake Mead in California being almost dry. The states in Colorado and out west fighting over the drying up of the Colorado River or the fires of the drought-stricken Pacific Northwest. Friends, that's always going to be with us. Luke is speaking to you and to me. But, he gives us a promise. In the last two lines of our text today, after Jesus goes through this laundry list of cataclysms. He said, beloved, not a hair on your head will perish. Not a hair in the midst of all of this stuff, whatever it is you're in, not a hair on your head will perish. And then he goes on to say, beloved, stand firm. Tell your story of what God has done for you. Give your witness in the midst of that hardship because when you do, you gain a deeper, more abundant understanding of eternal life right now. That's the promise. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all that God's people said,